0: I'm joined by Dr. Sheldon Martin. Sheldon, thank you so much for joining us again. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Every time I get a question that has to do with with mental health or or and wellness, I just think I I think it would be good to bring in Sheldon and, and ask you some questions. And I received a super interesting inquiry from a parent who had listened to some of our past podcasts, and particularly some of the ones that you had had been on with us when we had talked about mental wellness. And, and if it's okay, I'll just start by, by reading a question that they sent me in an email. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. Awesome. So here's the question. I have a child who is a perfectionist to the point that they experience anxiety. Recently, I have seen how sports seem to magnify that problem. I want so badly for them to play sports, but it seems like their perfectionism takes the joy out of it. What tips do you have for a, perf- for a parent of a perfectionist who plays sports?
1: Oh, man, that is a great question. Let me start by saying it's good to break down some of the stereotypes when we say something like perfectionistic or they're a perfectionist. Sometimes, unfortunately, we even hear individuals that use this as a compliment, right? Oh, I'm such a perfectionist, or I'm so OCD to try to say that they are organized. But really what a lot of people don't recognize is uh, when we're feeling high levels of anxiety and and feeling uh, perfectionism in us, um, it actually leads to uh, giving up easily or sooner, uh, putting so much pressure on ourselves that we stop trying. Right. So there's so much pressure for tryouts that I just won't try because I can't, you know, uh, face this. So it's not a compliment. Uh, That's the first thing I'd say. And I think this parent gives a very, very good perspective on that. So what happens, uh, the first thing I would say, help your child turn the perfectionistic thought into a process thought. Um, Often a perfectionistic thought is all or nothing. Either I am going to do it all right and all the time in a completely competent way, or I'm a failure. Now, when we say that, we recognize that's not reality, that that's not reality in anyone's life. And so, because that's the mindset, it is very helpful to give some examples and to process a little bit uh, the thought, right? So, go back to those situations that are... Uh, difficult and and work through them. Focus on processing the thought um, as opposed to uh, isolating this perfectionistic, I either have to be perfect or I'm a failure. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. Can you, I was wondering, you know, you have a background in athletics as well. Mm-hmm. Can you take like a few kind of sports scenarios or something and, and Explain what you see in regard to like, what would be an unhealthy way for a kid to think about sports, like if a, a basketball player, a softball player, a volleyball player, whatever it might be, and, and how, if they had this all or nothing thinking, if you might be able to give us an example of, okay, here's kind of an all or nothing thinking, you know, and then here's how I would help them think process instead of perfection.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, one all-or-nothing way is going to be any failure is magnified and any success is minimized, right? So, if you've got a child that uh, plays sports, uh, they're in dance or they're, whatever they, they're doing, and the only thing they talk about is magnifying everything in their view that they feel is not right? And that's that's their focus that's their entire focus and they minimize everything that is a contribution and so you know if you've got a uh, a child that on the baseball field goes four for five but yeah you know what i but i really should have not struck out on that last at bat that's the only focus or you know i'm going through a a routine but th- this one moment You know, I I didn't do the move the way that I wanted to do it. If that becomes the only focus, then what starts to happen is we all start to find what we're looking for, right? If I went out onto a football field and I said, "Uh, Shad, look, your next question would be for what, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I said, look at the mountain, or I lost my wallet, can you help me find it? You would look differently. And so usually when a a child is very much focused on everything that is wrong, they're gonna start looking for it and gathering evidence that it's true. So we've seen lots of movies and done a lot of uh, different uh, setups for people that are paranoid all of a sudden they think, oh, the FBI is following me because look at all of the black cars that are following behind me. Well, if you look for that, you start to see it. And so what I would do in the sports setting is help them see the other elements. So you can shape that, not by doing a point-counterpoint, but help them process a little bit. So if they say, oh, I shouldn't have dropped that pass. Yeah, you know, that's that's true. How many other receivers do you think drop passes? Well, okay, probably all of them, but I just didn't want to drop that one. That's, that's true. Do you think there's lots of receivers that want to drop a pass? Well, well no, but that's not the point, right? I know, but what what is the point? Did you not give an effort to try to catch that pass? No, of course. I gave my best. Okay, great. Do you think you'll drop another pass? Yeah, I will. Okay. Do you think professionals drop a pass? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's 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 look at this differently. So, if dropping a pass is going to happen and happen again, so what else can we focus on, right? So now you're starting to shift and and, and focusing and looking for the success and the things that are different. I hope I explained that okay. Does does yeah. that help, Shad?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's take that scenario that you just said. Let's say that there's this parent's child and they didn't include kind of what sport they played. This was, I read the question exactly as it read, but um, let's say that they're a football player that dropped a pass and, you know, comes home and they're, they're concerned, you know, every game it's like, oh man. And then that one time when the running back got tackled, it was because I missed my block. And, and then there was this other time when I, if I would have hit you know, made the block and the guy would have got 10 more yards. And then there was that pass that I, that I dropped. And, you know, if, if there's a kid in that negative cycle, if there's a kid that's hypercritical of themselves. So if you go to that moment where, what would you tell them to look for in a game or to process after a game that would help them deal with that perfectionistic approach that is not just wanting to be perfect. I think, like you said, some people treat that like it's noble, you know, but, but where it becomes almost debilitating and anxiety producing, if you were in that moment where you just were in that discussion, how would you help a kid to see positive and not just negative. How would you train them on that?
1: Well, the first thing i do is if they're really spiraling downward, recognize that the complete survival mode of their brain is just kicking in. So the first thing I would do at the most basic level is to pause and and just breathe and kind of take a a moment, right? Sometimes um, they might just not be in the moment to talk about it. And and that's okay, but you can sit and okay, let's let's take a couple deep breaths, right? I think we've all seen that in those uh, close to us that when when we're kind of headed downward in a spiral, uh, it's very difficult to use logic and rationale and that. So so just breathing and pausing, kind of trying to be still a little bit and and just let the energy kind of go the other direction for a moment is a good first step. The second one that I would do is we start to worry and become so frustrated and most of the time there is not something that uh, or the things that we're worried about are outside of our control. Now, let me give an example of what I mean by that, because many times people will push back when I say that. And say, well, that was within his control because that's a pass that he could have caught. Well, well, that's that's true for the one isolated moment. But what's not true is that every single time you're going to catch the pass. So go back and kind of reflect and say, so what was within you? your control and i'm not talking about squeezing the ball you know harder to get to catch it did did you give your best effort on that play so if they say uh, no you know i was kind of uh, my my my, you know i was kind of dogging it a little bit actually and i think the past kind of surprised me and i wasn't ready for it great okay what can we do moving forward right or maybe it's well yeah i mean i really i really was focus okay what else was going on well the defender had been on me all night and it was hard it was he was he was getting in getting to me and i i think that it kind of threw me off okay so what could you have controlled well i probably could have done a better job when i was off the field to try to kind of reset and get my mind right before i was going out there because the defender was really good great that's what you could have done Wonderful. So you're focusing on the things around the situation that are not the exact situation because the element of thinking I will never drop a pass is irrational. Uh, Jerry Rice dropped passes, right? Michael Jordan missed shots. Uh, It's literally just a reality of sports and of life. And so we have to try to Look at the environment and the situation, and not highlight the moment that they feel that there is failure, but kind of do the ripple effect outside of it and say, Well, what else was going on? Are there other things that you could have controlled if you weren't giving effort? Great. We need that. That could be a focus. But then, if you get to a spot where they really, this just was something that happened. Then it's it's better to kind of look and to validate the process. Man, you gave your best effort. That's fabulous. Okay, yeah, you 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 know what? You had a tough defender on you. You kept pushing through it. There were three other times you did catch a pass, and to try to like validate the ripples outside of the moment.
0: Is that helpful? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, we've done past podcasts on kind of on the opposite end of that, that we want to praise the process, not the podium, you know, that not the outcome when it's positive. But it seems to me that what you're saying is a healthy way to help young people and, and uh, any age of person who's playing sports, but is to always focus on the process, you know, mm-hmm. that um, if they're worried about a bad outcome, uh, then bring it back to the process. If they had a great outcome, then make sure they understand that it was the process, you know, bring it back to that, that process, what they go through, what was in their control uh, to do. And that that focus on process, no matter if it's a good or bad outcome, seems to be a healthier approach, even in regard to mental health and perfectionism and whatever, um, that just focusing on process seems to be a healthier way to help kids progress and to deal with failure
1: that's right process and growth process and growth and and especially for the parents listening to your podcast the parents of athletes they know this if we all pause long enough and recognize we we understand this that when we in our own lives focus on process or growth it's healthier It, it, it we perform better we do better at our jobs Right? We've all had situations in work that did not, or in our family, that did not work out the way that we wanted. And then if we isolate the moment and say, oh man, if I would have done this one thing different, then it would change everything. But if we're real honest with ourselves, usually that moment just didn't work out. Right. And so you have to step back and say, okay, was my process, am I am I getting better at this? right? Am I growing? The more we do that, the healthier we feel about the situation.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I've also seen how those who deal with perfectionism, uh, is that the right term? Like, is that the term you would use?
1: Yeah, I, it's a good one. It's not uh, uh, an official diagnosis, nor, but it doesn't need to be. But yeah, I, I think that it's a perfectionistic. Perfectionism is a good term when someone highlights that everything has to be just so i think it's a good one
0: so so one of the other things so there's this there's this element of i don't want to do anything wrong i don't want to fail but it also seems to be in many cases coupled with i don't want to let anyone down yeah that that it's not so much that i don't want to look bad i want to look perfect because a lot of people who deal with this they they have a meekness about them, you know <laughs> they they don't want to make mistakes, but a lot of times the reason why they don't want to make mistakes is they're so afraid of letting down their teammates, so afraid of letting down a coach or something like that. Can you speak to the relationship element of of this situation?
1: Absolutely, sometimes in um kind of pop psychology now you know we'll kind of allude to this as people pleasers um and it's uh i'm I'm well acquainted with it right now everyone wants uh validation what becomes a challenge is when we need it to feel goodness about ourselves and there is a lot of pressure that we layer upon ourselves to say, I, you know, I don't want to be the one that lets everyone down. I don't want to be the one that the coach is yelling at and everyone is getting upset at me. I don't want to be in that situation. It feels embarrassing. And if I were better, then these things wouldn't happen. Right? The, the first thing to parents and coaches, one, to parents... Um, I, I would say if if there is a coach who is layering that on and, and isolating someone as, you know, you have completely let the team down and it's just a mistake of sports and dance or sports and uh, uh, an event or, you know, uh, a play, if, if it is isolating, just know that's not healthy for Uh, anyone's growth i think that's a very important part for a parent to look at and say no now wait a minute like what's going on here but second to that as coaches um you need to be very careful at what you are validating and what you are correcting i would correct effort not outcome um, there's not a coach in this world that would say if the competition got good enough that that at some point the competition on the other side is going to be so good <laughs> that they're going to lose a game in that, right? You, you don't want to correct outcome. What you want to do, even when you lose, even when you win at times, you want to correct effort and validate effort. And that is the point that is very difficult for youth, for coaches. But if someone feels I am constantly letting others down, that they recognize that the only thing they can do is give it their all. Right? Um, All of us have kind of played that game, right? Like, oh, man, if I would have done this and I could have done Better at a at a sport, or I could have been able to approach this differently. Well, I don't care how hard I work or how many of my buddies I gather together. We're not going to beat the Lakers. (laughs) It it is just not effort is not the variable there, right? Um, and so if I'm giving my best effort, that has to be the focus. Yeah. And and recognize let let everything else fall as it will. Does yeah. that make sense?
0: Absolutely. It's always refreshing in like a game interview when someone misses a big shot, for example, in a basketball game, you know, to hear the coach say something like, well, you know, we ran the play, we got the shot we wanted, and sometimes those shots don't go in, you know, but we did everything we could and and they'll hit their fair share of those shots and and sometimes it'll work out for us. And it, you can kind of sense those, those principles that you were just teaching in, in some very high-level coaches. You almost never hear a professional coach or a, a really high Division I coach, um, you know, a, successful, uh, a really successful Division I coach, saying things like, you know, well, yeah, we got to catch that ball. You know, we just got to catch that ball. There's no no excuse for that. But, you know, I mean, you hear that, but it always rings kind of like oh, you don't think the player knew that. You know, <laughs> right? Like, You're right. You
1: usually hear very successful coaches sub- say something along the lines of, "Well, you know, we should we, we probably shouldn't have even been in that spot," um, yeah. or there, there were a lot of a lot of factors. Right, and that's actually correct and a very mature answer. Right to think like, oh yeah, that missed field goal, that was it. That the whole game rode on that. It's like, well, come on, you know, you had eighteen penalties during the game, and you couldn't get the running game going, or this other guy dropped passes earlier on. That's just the way it goes. And if they focus on, well, this was the only reason we lost, that I think, in my opinion, that'd be a, that'd be a tough person to play for, because your validation is going to be way over the top when you are making the field goal and it's going to be in the dumpster when you miss it and and there's there's a thousand other variables in that game that the ball could have bounced the other way right and so someone that has a broader view of that and can look at the whole team and say we're going to we're going to review tape and we're going to look at effort and how we could clean it up all along the way and that includes the kicker. We're, we're going to go and figure out why he missed a 35-yard field goal. Like, we, we, maybe that's practice. But they don't isolate it as this was the only moment. Right.
0: Right. And that's not saying, I mean, obviously, a coach is going to make decisions based upon who makes the most shots. A coach right. is going yep. to make decisions on who makes field goals. And, and sometimes they'll have to make tough decisions. So it's not like a coach who pulls a player doesn't understand these principles that we're talking about right now. I mean, that's one of the toughest parts of being a coach. I talked to a coach the other day. We were texting back and forth, a high school basketball coach here in Utah. And he just – he actually said, hey, pray for me. Today's the worst day of the year for me. It's, it's when I need to make final cuts for tryouts, and I know I'm going to break kids' hearts. You know, that – to think that the coaches out there care that much, he just, uh, you know, he was just agonizing um, about making those decisions. And I'm sure that that in the tryouts, you know, some kids made shots, some kids missed shots, some kids had turnovers, some kids uh, didn't dribble as well as others. And so none of this is saying that coaches aren't supposed to look at players and and make decisions based upon outcomes and performance. However, as a parent, if I'm hearing you right, Sheldon, if I have someone who's dealing with these professioni- perfectionistic attitudes, it would be well to, to help them focus on process. What's within your control? What can we adjust? What, let's not spend time focusing on everything that's out of our control. And one of the, the thing that is the most out of our control in the world, I think, is the past. And so a lot of people become hyper-focused on past and what the mistakes were that they made. And and so really helping someone who's dealing with those things in the case that it's it's dealing with anxiety because of it to focus on the process, to focus on what they have control of and, and that relationship element of not worrying about letting others down. Um, that that might be the one that's still kind of hanging out there, Sheldon, that I understand what we could do from our perspective, like as coaches, as parents and things, not to foster those attitudes. Um, if someone's just hyper worried, and maybe we've covered this, but it's still on my mind. So maybe someone who listens to this will think about it. If someone's hyper focused, hyper worried about letting someone down is there anything else you would add about that before we close up
1: well i would just encourage that person to pause and to always make sure that they are being more accurate with the story that they're telling themselves um you know albert ellis is a uh, one of the, one of the better psychologists the last hundred years. And he said, we human beings are the only creatures that talk to themselves, (laughs) right? We, uh, we give the storyline for the data that we think we're receiving. And to that, uh, young athlete, I, I would say, pause, uh, let's look at this story that you're telling yourself. Right. It's called the uh, it's kind of called the ABCD model. Right. And so um, when you look at that model, ABC, a, right, A is kind of this activity that something happens. And then B is this belief you 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 interpret the event that just happened. You give it meaning, which leads to kind of consequence or a feeling so the D is this discussion to look back and to say, you know, how accurate is my story? If I were to say, if you got a C+, how would you feel? The, the, the stories of what people tell themselves about that C+, are going to vary from person to person. Someone might just be needing a C+, to graduate, and high school's been rough, and they might be totally elated someone uh, i've worked with individuals who become deeply depressed by that now that here's what's fascinating shad the c plus didn't generate an emotion but what we believe what it means about us or what it means for our life is much more connected now again that's not to say hey strive for mediocrity but what it means is that story we tell ourselves will be more connected to the emotion than what's actually happening. So if someone, if that athlete is having a difficult time, I would have them pause and say, okay, here, here are the things that you keep saying are causing this stress. But we're going to, that's the A. We're just going to set that aside a little bit because not everyone who makes those mistakes is feeling like you are feeling right now. So let's look back at the story. When you mess up, if I put a microphone up to your head and it could verbalize what you were saying about yourself, what would I hear? Usually, someone who's very perfectionistic is going to say, "Oh man, you know, I'm a, I'm a loser. I'm going to let everyone down. I'm not good at this. You know, it's going to be my fault. People hate me. People hate me.
0: They're all frustrated at me. All that's that right.
1: Stuff. So the D is the discussion, huh? Is there, is there another story? I almost try to have people imagine like a courtroom. Okay, one attorney just presented a side of the story. You've given them lots of time. <laughs> is there another case to be made here? Is there other evidence that that's maybe not the whole story? And I think that comes back to that process part. Is often we're, we're looking at it and we're telling a story that is making this a mountain in our life when it probably is much more closer to a molehill can still be a challenge, but it's not the size that we think that it is.
0: Yeah. I love that Sheldon. I love that because it's for me, at least as a parent, if I were going through this, I would question the B in that equation, the ABCD. And and facilitate the D the discussion. <laughs> I That's love right. that courtroom. You know, I imagine as a therapist, you you know, you probably it sounds like you've done this in on many occasions where you challenge what someone believes is true that maybe is not even a rational belief, but it's causing a lot of that anxiety that they're feeling. That's right.
1: Uh, it absolutely is. And I love the D for discussion, because the secret sauce here is that it's a discussion, that it's a conversation, that it's ongoing. Hmm. And and that maybe parents, it's not a lecture. It's uh it's an open-ended question. Well, that's interesting. Tell me how'd you come to that conclusion? Do you think that's the whole story? Tell me more. Hmm. Right? Let them work through and process, because often when we give them enough space and a good, enough time, they start to challenge their own thoughts when they say them out loud. Hmm. Well, I'm just no good at earth Well, I guess it's not probably that bad. Or, uh, right. But we we very l- few times give ourselves enough time, enough space to kind of work through what's happening in our own life. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that, that's great. That's great. We can even facilitate, if anyone listening to this is 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 experiencing some of these feelings, they can facilitate the own discussion within themselves. They can even challenge their own beliefs and mm-hmm. uh, take a step back, take the other side of that courtroom battle. I love that, Sheldon. Thank you. And I, I, I can see one other application. Maybe I'll say it and then I, I would love to have any thoughts, get any thoughts that you have on it. But sometimes these team captains and team leaders, it would be good for them too to concentrate on this attitude and effort, the things within their fellow teammates' control. So, you know, a kid drops a pass, comes back to the huddle to stick with that same analogy we've been using. Mm-hmm it's one thing to just chastise the outcome, you know, like, come on, man, you got to catch that. You got, you know, kind of a thing. Probably if a quarterback really wants them to be successful, rarely do you scare someone into performing better, you know? So, so it might be better to be like, it's all right, man, you'll get the next one, you know, kind of a, approach as a team leader, if the attitude is good and if the effort is there, then those should be the things that are also focused on by team leaders. Because sometimes, especially when it's a young player or someone who's going through what the child of this parent is going through, boy, talk about shutting down a teammate. You might get out your frustration, but you didn't help your team at all by focusing on that outcome that resulted from someone dropping a pass or missing a shot or, or taking a, a strike or whatever. And so I, I see some application too, if a team leader was listening to this about how to interact with their teammates if they really wanna help increase performance and in the likelihood of mistakes not multiplying on themselves. And that would be to focus on attitude and effort, just like you've said.
1: That's that's right. I think the greatest leaders I've ever interacted with, and I've ever read about and studied, a great leader is also a great teacher. I'll tell you if, if you've got some really dynamic athletes that listen to your podcast. Uh, so let me use an example of maybe one of the most highlighted position in all of sports as an analogy. A quarterback, right? The focus is on the quarterback. I'll tell you what, one of the greatest leaders I would ever see would be something like this. Let's say that the receiver ran the wrong route and that led to an incomplete pass, right? He, he, just, he just cut the wrong way. The ball was thrown, cutting as if he was going to cut the other way. Um, the quarterback that tries to Let the crowd know by reaction and by, by, by body posture that the receiver went the wrong way is probably putting their focus in the wrong place. A leader is going to run over to the side and it might be a stern conversation, but there's going to be a, a a moment, right? A teaching moment. And let's verify what play do you think we called? right? Okay. What's man. Okay. On that play, you're not, you don't cut that way. You cut the other way. Right. And then encouragement. I mean, that to me, that leader, boy, I would give anything to have a leader like that on a team. And so you think about it, that, that, that is the kind of another secret sauce of leadership, right? Is like, they become instant teachers when things are not going well, not accusers,
0: accusers, exploders, and all those things. But, uh, but uh, someone who teaches. In fact, when Ty Detmer was on our podcast and we asked him what it was like to play for his dad, he said the number one thing that he remembers about playing for his dad is his dad never got mad at him. He taught him. And so he would bring him to the sideline and he would ask those questions that you were just asking. Hey, what did you see? Why did you choose to throw the ball there? Well, let me teach you a few things. And so... I love that posture. If we're teaching, then usually that's the best. Teaching is the essence of leadership. And so so if, if a leader listening to this or even a coach or a parent or whatever, if your first reaction when something goes wrong is to teach, then you're probably doing it the right way. If your first reaction is to explode, then you're focused a little bit too much on outcome and people knowing it's not your fault then, it, then you are on, on the things that really matter and would bring success. So, awesome. Well, Sheldon, hey, thank you. This is, uh, I hope that helped this parent. If not, maybe they'll follow up with another question. But, but uh, if you were to say in two sentences, then here's the question again this is a challenge. It's a long question, so I'll let you think about it. But if you were to sum up our conversation, I have a child who is perfectionistic to the point that they experience anxiety. Recently, I have seen how sports seem to magnify that problem. I want them to enjoy playing sports, but it just seems to stress them out. What tips do you have for a perfectionist who plays sports? Your tips would be,
1: Stick with it, focus on process, make sure that we're telling the correct story and the best leaders or teachers and focus more on the discussion than a lecture to get them through it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Sheldon, it's always a joy to have you on our podcast. Thank you so much for the expertise that you bring and you help so many people and we appreciate all you do for especially for athletes and, and all you do for so many around our community. We appreciate you so much.
1: Hey, not a problem. Happy to come back.
0: Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining the Sport Life Podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast. That helps us get the word out and helps people find the podcast that might be interested and leave a review. And if you have anything you would like us to address in future podcasts, click on our link, find our email, and, and send us an email. We would love to address the things that would be most relevant to you. Pick up the Sportlight, the book, at our website, especiallyforathletes.org. And thank you so much for joining the Sportlight Podcast. Eyes up. Do the work.
1: This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org.